You're listening to the last session of the day with the Sight Guys. Welcome back, everyone, to the last session of the day with the Psych Guys. Uh, my name is Dr. Constantine Lucan. As always, I'm uh, joined here uh, by Timothy Mayer. And today we're going to do part two of what we would like our clients and patients to take away from our therapy. As you may remember, last week I was the one that shared some of my thoughts. And today I think it was only <clears throat> important to hear what uh, Tim's list is. So without further ado, let's kind of jump into that, Tim. Yeah, so so thanks. Uh, luckily, I had o- over a week to think about all of these. Uh, <laughs> right. so, so hopefully, <laughs> so hopefully it goes. Hopefully they're good. Um, but no, but um, you know, <clears throat> kind of like what we said last time. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like eh, maybe not every single person, but but we end up sort of saying similar things to a lot of different people, and so um, kind of hard to boil them down to just three. But sure. but I did. Um, okay. So, so, so I'll do, okay. What's your first one? <laughs> my, my, my first one, and not that I want everyone to do this. I feel like I need everyone to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, don't fight your feelings. Mm. Right. And what, what, what I mean by that is, 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 is being able to effectively tune into yourself and, and recognize and understand feelings first and foremost Mm-hmm. And then doing something productive with them. Um, okay. So I I think part one is the most important because I feel like we are it, it it's so easy for us to ignore feelings. I feel like we're we're on autopilot most of the time, and we could be walking around feeling angry, anxious, sad, you know, stressed, whatever. And it's those feelings that are sort of pulling the the, the strings or or. Or, or steering the steering wheel, and we don't even realize it, right? Mm-hmm. But when, you know, like, like, let's say I pause somewhere and I say, hey, take a second and like, kind of like, take your own temperature, right? Like, tune into yourself. What are you feeling? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, like, I didn't even realize it, but blank, right? Um, so that's definitely part one. And then part two is, is sort, sort of what we do with it. Now, typically, we're, we're, trying to like bury feelings or ignore them or put them on the back burner or something like that. And that never works. Um, Definitely not long-term. It, it, it never works. And so many, you know, I hear so many times like I'm doing everything to, 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 to fight my anxiety. Like I'm in a battle with my depression, all of those sorts of things. And, you know, when I hear someone saying I'm trying to fight anxiety, I say, you're never going to win. Uh, you you can't fight that feeling, uh, you know. Like uh, you could do things to care for it, which is which is totally different. But uh, we're I feel like we're either like dismissing or ignoring our feelings, or we're trying to, or or or, or we're going to fight with them. I really like the way you're saying it. Could you expand that a little? Because to your point, a lot of people come in and you know I've been diagnosed with major depression disorder, and I'm looking for a cure. Kind of like almost in itself, by definition, saying it is bad. And I'm trying to get rid of this illness or something that's bad. And I really like the distinction that you just made about fighting it versus caring for it. Can you can you expand on that a little? Yeah. So so it's sort of like, um, hmm, you know, if someone throws a ball to you, mm-hmm. completely tense up, and you're and you're completely on guard, you'll you'll probably tense up, and then the ball will end up just hitting you in the face. And instead, if you're if you're 
able to just catch the ball, sort of like un- understand it, hold it. Um, it's a completely different experience, right? Um, feelings are temporary. Feelings are completely normal. They come and they last for a little bit and they go. And being able to sort of like ride that wave, sit in it, sit through it, not getting in the way of what our brain and bodies automatically do on their own, which is take care of themselves, right? So so, so quite yep. frankly, you know, I could, one could make the argument of, I don't really need you to do anything. I just need you to recognize it and, and see it rather than getting into a battle with this thing. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to, to say this, but, you know, I feel like people talk about coping all the time. So coping, extremely important, you know, <laughs> very, very, very coping, uh, very, very important. And, you know, you can Google, you know, see hundreds of coping skills. I really want to make sure that these coping skills aren't just a way to like run away from or fight or bury a feeling. So when I ask people, hey, what did you do to cope with your anxiety over the week? Uh, oh, I, I played Xbox for six right. hours. Right. Like, well, like, is that coping or caring for the feeling or is that just ignoring it, dismissing it, burying it somewhere? Right, 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 right. No, that's, I mean, that that's a really great point, especially, especially what resonates with me. What I also keep saying a lot of times is that feelings are just in the moment. They will, if you just let them be, they're just like a wave. It will pass. So many people, I feel like, don't have that mindset. They just think that if I'm feeling a feeling, it'll just be on repeat, just kind of going forward. So if you have that mindset, of course, it makes sense to like, I got to do something, got to get rid of it because it'll continue forever. And I think even that little restructuring, I think that's one of the things on your list as well, kind of plays a significant role. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, I could go, I, I could probably speak for hours, <laughs> on like, not, not finding your feelings, but um, I'm, I'm going to switch over to number sure, two. Sure, sure. Um, and, and so, so this is called cognitive restructuring. Um, but instead of using that language, which doesn't make sense, I, yeah, it I sounds it, difficult. <laughs> <laughs> it can be. Um, I, I call it thinking about your thinking. Okay. Um, so, um, in the CBT world, a lot of, um, a, a, a huge part of the theory is, is looking at and, and, um, evaluating our thoughts and our thought processes and analyzing how those thoughts lead to certain feelings, right? So um, I always give this cheesy example okay, um, to kind of illustrate that our thoughts have a lot of power. So um, I have a dog. His name, okay. is, Os- his name is Oscar. Ah, my, cool. la- my last name is Meyer. So it's like Oscar Meyer. Uh, uh, good one. <laughs> it's a great dog, right? So so I say, uh, and and Constantine, I guess you, you can do this with me. So so let's say I, I walk inside and I see that Oscar peed on the floor. How do you imagine I'm feeling? Feeling frustrated and annoyed. Feeling frustrated and annoyed. Uh, what do you think is the thought that runs through my head right before I start feeling frustrated and annoyed? Why'd you do this? Yeah, like, why'd you do this? Like, you're such a bad dog. Like, right. I'm gonna have to clean up the you know, like like this mess. Like, the rug is ruined, right? All of those thoughts lead me to feel angry, frustrated, and annoyed. Whereas, I don't know. Let's say if I walk in the house and I see that he went to the bathroom on the floor, and I said, "Oh man, I didn't let him out in time." Mm. What what feeling do you think would come up from that thought process? Uh, my bet would be something like regret or guilt. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, and what if, you know, Oscar goes to the bathroom on the floor and I say, you know what? I really got to train this dog. Um, he's not trained that well. So I'm going to spend this next week really getting on training with him. Well, a level of acceptance sounds like a, some some effective, productive thinking how to fix the situation. Yeah. And like perhaps I feel a little motivated, right? Mm-hmm. So cheesy example of Oscar peeing on the floor, which he doesn't do much, which is good. <laughs> um, but three different thoughts lead to three different feelings, mm-hmm. right? So um, I think that like, and, and you could put that over any example. Mm-hmm. You can really always look back at like, what is the thought or the thought process that leads to whatever it is that we're feeling? And then that opens up the door to sort of say, hey, I can, well, if I'm recognizing that I'm angry when I walk in the door, I could trace it back to that thought of, oh my God, Oscar, you're the worst dog in the world. Mm-hmm. And then I have a little bit of control there because I could take that thought and I could I could check it out, right? And, and a lot of what we do in cognitive restructuring is checking to see if it's rational or irrational. Uh, the key point, I think, with rational thinking is it could be backed up by evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can then... Uh, identify that thought, check it, see if it's rational or irrational. If irrational, then I can always change it to something far more rational. So if I'm having the automatic thought of he's the worst dog in the world, well, I know that's irrational. He's not. And I could change it to something completely more rational, which is Oscar does good things and Oscar does not so good things. Right. Hmm. Now, Now that probably changes my feeling from being super frustrated, angry, about to hit him with a newspaper Mm -hmm. to, uh, I mean, I'm not jumping for joy, right? But it's, it's a definitely a, a different emotional state. And um, working with people to kind of gain that ability to like hit that pause button, and this is a really, really hard thing to do. It sounds easy over this podcast, but it's hard no. in real life. But of course, to hit that pause button, be able to catch that thought, check it out, and then change it if necessary. It can be a huge tool in changing the way that we're feeling and the, the, the way that we're reacting to things, um, et cetera. Well, because I mean, that, that example, simple or not, I, I think it's a, it's a really good one to think about because if you're angry and you're frustrated and you blame the dog and you hit him with a newspaper, you still stay frustrated. The dog mm-hmm. is now scared of you, which is more likely to pee or poop on the floor, which again makes you more frustrated versus mm-hmm taking a pause, figuring it out, training the dog so that everybody's doing better. The dog is not peeing and you're not feeling as frustrated. It's just like, I actually really like that example because you can expand it into pretty much anything. Yeah. And, you know, kind of, and I don't think we have time to go, go into all of this, but, mm-hmm. you know, really looking at like um, the list of cognitive distortions, right? mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. are just, which are just common ways in which we're thinking in an irrational way. It's, that's a nice little shortcut, right? So if I'm, in the example before, um, Oscar, you're the worst dog in the world. So that's a very all or nothing thought, which is a cognitive distortion. So I, I know that that thought is automatically irrational because it is a cognitive distortion. Hmm. So then that gives me the authority to, if I so choose, to take that thought and dismiss it or throw it in the trash and then re-implement a new perfectly rational thought, which is Mm. he does good things and he does not so good things. So I do, um, I guess, I guess depending on the person and depending on where we're going, I do spend a decent amount of time sort of going through this like cognitive part of CBT and really kind of developing that skill of us being able to 
hit the pause button, take a step back, catch the thought, check the thought, change the thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I end up saying it to lots and lots and lots of people. Okay. Well, I, I really like that one as well. <laughs> and so the my 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 number three, I don't know, big take home point. Kind of similar, um, but acknowledging the the power of a narrative, and this one is a little bit harder to explain. But you know, I I believe that we keep stories in our head, um, stories about the past, the present, the future. We have stories about ourselves, um, other people, our loved ones. It's and and there's all of these narratives sure. in, in our mind. And and in every single one of those narratives, there's so much meaning attached to it. And we tell ourselves these stories all the time, and we all tell ourselves different stories. And that is where I believe a lot of the power of the emotions come from, especially in the stories that we tell ourselves about well, about everything really, but where I focused most on this is is the the narrative of painful life events from the past. Okay. So, for example, right, like if I'm, I don't know, if I'm if I'm telling myself the story about myself, and it's a, eh, you know, like um, I don't know, I'm gonna make something up, but you know, uh, I'm not the best, I'm not the worst. Um, uh, I try really hard, but I, but, but things sort of don't really pan out for me. And I don't know, I, I'm, I'm always a victim of bad luck. Uh-huh. Well, that will probably come true. <laughs> if, 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 if that's the story that we're saying in our head, that narrative holds a lot of power because it, because it dictates how we see what has happened to us. And it also serves as self-fulfilling prophecies for the future. Right. If I notice mm-hmm. that I'm always a victim of bad luck, it'll probably find a way of actually coming, coming more true. Right. So I, 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 I think it's ridiculously important for us to be mindful of those narratives about the past and also the current and the future as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like that one. I know it's maybe a little bit, uh, more complicated uh, to put into practice rather than the other two that you've mentioned. But this is Mm -hmm. definitely by far one of my favorites uh, because, you know, a lot of people think about about this sort of uh, what what you think and what you feel. You know, there's so many books out there about like your emotions are point of attraction and yada, yada, yada. I think there's there's a lot of people know about this book, Law of Attraction, and they think that there's like a spiritual, mystical thing that necessarily needs to be involved. The reason I really like what you're saying, because it is kind of, the outcome is kind of true, but there's not necessarily any need for the intercession of any mystical ideas. It's just what you think, what you tell yourself, the narrative that you create is something that you're going to play out. So therefore, you kind of attract it, but you are the author of that attraction. No need to introduce anything or anyone else into it. Yeah, right. You know, if 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 uh, John Smith's narrative is uh, he's the guy who's never going to get a job, and he's telling himself that, mm-hmm. and he says, "Tim, I'm never going to get a job." And then I say, well, like, you know, like, like, what's up with that? Blah, blah, blah. Like, we, we explore it. And then, you know, that thought leads him to f- not apply for a job, of course, because he's not a person who can get a job. And then he applies for a zero and he comes back in next week and he says, see, another week that went by without a job. Right. 
Right. And I mean, that's a really, really trivial example. But if you take mm-hmm. that and you blow it up as and, and put it on, if we're able to use that to, to be mindful of the story that we're telling ourselves about ourselves or about anything, there is so much power in those narratives. When I'm meeting someone for the first time and they're telling me about themselves, about what they've gone through, their symptoms, et cetera, I'm really, really tuned into like, okay, I can understand the uh, the events, but what I care even maybe a little bit more about is sort of like, what does this say about you? Um, mm-hmm. If you're this type of person, then what does that say about you? Yada, yada, yada. To kind of um, understand the reading between the lines of the narrative, because I think that that holds so, so, so much power. Yeah, no, I, I agreed. And even to that point that you brought up with the, the client who comes in and tells you that he can't get a job, but he'll never get a job. Imagine the power if if that individual just can rephrase, I don't have a job now, but I'm deserving to get one. Just something mm-hmm. like that, right? Like how much behavioral change that could partic- uh, potentially ensue. Yeah, I mean, and and technically that would be changing a thought or, right. or a belief, right? Right. Um, kind of going back to, to, to thought number, uh, to point number two. Right. You change that thought, your feeling state changes for sure, which then your behavior definitely changes. And then you probably end up getting a job because you end up applying to 10. Right, um, right, exactly. So there, there's a lot of power narratives. And I guess like mm, like the the bullet point under number three, mm-hmm. um, especially with painful life events from the past. Okay. Um, you know. Like, like in uh, traumatic uh, situations. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, the, how do I put it? Um, When I ask people to kind of like revisit or go back to painful memories, I'm Mm -hmm. always asking a lot of questions about, is there a negative belief about yourself that feels at all true that goes along with this? And oftentimes it's a, it's a belief of, oh, right. Like I'm not good enough or um, I'm helpless or I don't know, lots of, beliefs about ourselves. That's really part of the narrative. And that's where a lot of the feelings lie. So when when I'm doing EMDR work mm-hmm. with people, and we're working through traumas, um, I'm, I'm never going to change what happened. Right? right? I'm never going to change the events in the story, because you just can't. However, you can, you can always be working on the narrative underneath. And changing the narrative it can be you know a, a, a horror story can really change to a, a story of empowerment or uh, that just happened or <laughs> um i don't know but nine times out of ten through emdr when when people kind of work through memories mm-hmm. the narrative definitely changes wow i mean that's uh, to me that that's pretty powerful and and deep sort of emotional and psychological work yeah um and clearly, I, I feel super passionately about it, which yeah. is why I'm <laughs> ranting so much about it. Well, um, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, a clinician who cares and is passionate about the way he helps people, I think that's really the golden ticket there. Oh, well, thanks. I, I needed yeah. that. <laughs> um, so so j- just to recap real quick, um, three things that I want people to know. One, don't sure. fight your feelings, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, think about your thinking. Um, so in other words, like cognitive restructuring, catch mm-hmm. your thought, check your thought, change your thought. And then three, really just, just being mindful of the power of narratives and being mindful of the story that you're telling yourself about yourself, about others, about the world, about the past. Just 
being as mindful as we can about the about the stories that are going on in our head. Yeah, I mean that's it's funny that you jumped in to recap because I was I was thinking to myself, wow, I wonder if people out there who are listening have poor short term memory like me because like I was gonna ask you, like, could you repeat the three? Because I feel like I, with my memory skills, I like I kind of forgot the first one, so I really appreciate you kind of summing it up. Uh, you gave me a good reminder as well. Uh, yeah, so the, the, those are. I mean, I I really love those. Uh, especially the third one that stands out, the power and the meaning that it holds. So hopefully for some of the listeners out there, you could definitely take certain things away from what uh, Tim has shared. Um, and as always, uh, thanks so much for, for joining us and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in this week. As always, we hope that you enjoyed the show and please make sure to subscribe. We love to interact with our listeners. If you have something you'd like to comment on, ask us about, or hope to hear on the show, please message us on Facebook or Twitter at Last Session of the Day with the Psych Guys, or send us an email at lastsessionotd at lukeandcenter.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and tune in next week for another engaging episode. This has been the Last Session of the Day with the Psych Guys. See you next time.